to In Discovery We Trust, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. This week, we are discussing Through the Valley of Shadows. My name is Ethan, and I'm joined as always by... You're joined, you're joined by Kevin. Indeed. Here we are. Okay. Well... With um, two episodes left right. for the season. Big events in mm-hmm. this episode. Yep. I really liked it. Surprised Which, me. I didn't know if you would or not. Yeah, I, it's odd. I usually don't like these episodes. I feel like they're tending to the plot. Yeah. But then when there was that nice Pike Easter egg, I, think, I was like... I, think, I wouldn't even call it an Easter egg. I would call it a... F- the, full the, basket? <laughs> I would call it the the full, crucial a full Easter scene basket. Yeah. that gives us pi- who Pike is. Yes. More than... Um, I mean, we've seen it all season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Pike's one of the great captains. Yep. There's no way around it. That scene's getting a lot of... Um, it's getting a lot of uh, positive buzz from the fans who watch the show. Everyone likes it. And it really kind of, I think it really solidifies Pike as a great, not just a great captain, but a really good character. Absolutely. I mean, I guess we'll get right to it since that was definitely the best scene of the, of the episode. Yeah, we can just go out of order here. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I will say that I've been saying it for weeks now that really since the beginning of the, of the season... Um, Pike has gone on to become, honestly, like my favorite captain in the franchise. I can see that he yeah. he definitely has all the qualities of a great captain. And I've been telling friends of mine who haven't gotten who haven't started season two yet. They're like, you know, they they've asked me like, what's Captain Pike like? And I say he's I say he's sort of like a he's sort of like a mix of Kirk and Picard, but he's got more Picard in him than Kirk. I would say he's yeah, he's not one to kind of like. Uh, you know, rush in to mm-hmm. something without weighing all the options. Right. Whereas yeah. Kirk's a little more, you know, just charge in. Yeah, just and just doesn't really, and just deals with the uh, aftermath later on. But, um, yeah, so, but it really kind of made his character a little bit, you know, way, way more, um, way more crucial, but also, like, way more heroic when you realize, obviously, that what we see of him in the Menagerie was something that he knew was going to happen, which was a big surprise. I mean, it was turning the tragedy into something, basically into an act of heroism. Which is exactly what Anson Mount said in an mm-hmm. early interview, that this season would turn Pike's fate from a tragedy to a triumph. Mm-hmm. And we thought it was because he was going to be the Red Angel. Right. But as we learn now, it's because he knew his fate, and maybe even he created that fate by mm-hmm. going there. Yeah. Because that's what I couldn't quite tell. Right. Um, they said, yeah, if, if you take this, this crystal, then this fate is locked in for you. Right. Um, but I thought the scene was just fantastic because first he cuts to him in some, I I was a little bit confused because they said it was a training exercise. Yeah. Because they say in the menagerie that he was rescuing a bunch of cadets from an accident on a old vessel that they were on. Oh, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and but it's also a, it's, he's being heroic there. He's risking he's heroic his life to save people. But that when they go into that in the, in the menagerie, they don't. Well, actually, they don't really go into it. So it's a little. It's kind of a little ambiguous at that point. So they they kind of have their hands free to almost do whatever they want. All it was was basically him rescuing some cadets and getting exposed to lethal amounts of delta radiation. Yeah, it, it, which well, led to what we see of him in the menagerie. Once I heard that it was a training exercise, I thought it was 
like the Kobayashi Maru where they were in a simulator at no. first and I was very confused. Right. And then I and then I got it. But so then we see the accident happen. Right. And then he's already horrified from that. And then right. he's in a hallway, an unidentified hallway. And we it's see, the discovery set hallway, just so you know. Okay. It's not supposed to I don't think it's supposed to be discovered. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And then we see we see the silhouette out of focus. We know exactly what it is as soon yep. as it comes. Yep. And it slowly comes toward him. And uh just the horror in his face when he sees it. And then he is screaming at himself as yeah. that. It was incredible. I have to I have to ask what your reaction was when you saw it begin to creep out. Because it, it took a while for it to actually show up. And then it just like very gradually creeped out and out of focus way, way in the background. Him and the... It was the, just anticipation you know, because I knew exactly knew what it was. Gonna I knew exactly. We talked about right. it enough. Right. That we definitely know what it was. It was the be. thing is, it was, it was, it's a horrible moment. Yeah. But I was also very excited. I was giddy to see it. Yeah. Strangely enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just... And then when it shows his face, and even, like, it's melting even more. Mm-hmm. And then it's screaming, and he's screaming, and, like, the two become one as they yeah. scream. And then he falls back in horror. And I just absolutely love that moment when right. <clears throat> he's saying to himself, I am a Starfleet captain. Right. And, you know... He's trying to, like, just and push it's down him. the horror and, and recognize as, what and he needs as the Klingon tells him, like, he says, if you... If you take this crystal, your fate is sealed. Basically. So, and he and takes it because he, he knows it. it's duty first. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, I mean, it, even though like he knows it's going to happen, you know, that Klingon doesn't say when it's going to happen. He just knows at some point in the future it may happen. It's going to happen, but it's not like it's going to happen. As far as he's concerned, it's not like it's going to happen tomorrow. Right, and he probably looked and saw, like, well, my uniform's different. We don't have those uniforms yet. Right. Once the uniform change comes, he knows he's screwed. Well, according to Starfleet, that happens like every... That happens constantly, but... Um, I guess so. Yeah. Um, um, and... <clears throat> now, here's what's sort of weird about it and mm-hmm. interesting. I, I thought it was fantastic. I love his resolve in that moment yeah. to push aside his feelings and go with his duty and his service and know that what's the point of living not having that happen if it, all sentient life could be destroyed? Right. Um... But it was also weirdly not, I don't know, it reminded me of Star Wars more than Star Trek. Now, here's why. They have these things called the Trials mm-hmm. for Jedi, and they have to go into a cave, and they have to find their crystal that's going to power their... Oh, that happened in Empire, right? Um, when Vader shows up on... Sort of. That was like a version of it. Okay. But they go in, and they have to find their crystal. Once they find their crystal, that's what they put inside their lightsaber that powers it. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it kind of like connects to the Force. So I was thinking about that, and I was also thinking about there's a episode of The Clone Wars when Anakin is faced with a vision of himself being burned and turning into Darth Vader. Yep. In the horror. And uh, I don't know, it reminded me of that a lot. Hmm. More than Star Trek for some reason. Maybe that's unfair, maybe that's just because I have so much Star Wars on the brain. I don't know why you would. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, was it, I don't know, was there some announcement? No, no, just, you know, generally. Um, Yeah, but it it really... Yeah, because I I watched a bunch of interviews with with Anson Mount after this. And um, he said that this, the Pike that we're seeing right now, is is he's referring to as sort of his second act Pike. First act is what you saw in the cage. Second act is this. And third act is what you see, or is what happens to him. This is a tragedy that befalls him. Well, so. what I was looking for was a change in him after the vision, because that's got to change somebody. 
to see their death and see that it's horrifying and see that they're going to wind up like that. Yeah. I was looking to see maybe a little, um, you know, more somber. Right. I didn't see it, but we'll see. What, I mean, we only have a, we may, because we, I mean, we only have two episodes left, but I, I feel like if I know, if, if, if it's any indication of what the character's like, I feel like that's just going to have a somewhat positive effect on him. It may just drive him further as, you know, naming off all of those qualities that every Starfleet officer has. And I feel like it will just, he'll embody those more as a result. Mm. It'll push him toward just more service. and Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's just reserved of the fact that, you know, this is my future. I can't do anything about it. So why react? Why react to it in such a way? Yeah. Why let it affect? Like, I don't think he's going to allow that to perform, to affect his performance as a competent captain from that point on. Yeah, I don't think it'll take away his competency. I just think that maybe he'll be um, just a sadder dude. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the fact that he said, I'm a Starfleet captain? Uh, duty, compassion, mm-hmm. service, and love. I mean, I liked it. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've never associated a Starfleet captain with love for some reason. Well, I mean, I don't think it's ever really been put like that, but, um, you know, Discovery has a very, has a reputation so in my mind so far of just, like, doing this with, they do this, like, in, they've done this in speeches a number of times. Like, Burnham's done it, Saru has done it, even Pike has done it early on, like, just mentioning all the what the embodiment of a starfleet officer is in just or, or like how important the federation is saying like yes. you know or saru's famous we are starfleet speech. Yes. like they're all of these like they're very sort of like motivational type of speeches that all, that the characters give off played over usually like a montage of like the crew getting together doing something right or the what seemed like a series finale speech that michael gave oh yeah 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 definitely mm-hmm. i just did um, the love struck me as a strange word and i just yeah um, i can understand that it seems like a, a like a new theme in star trek has been this idea of like love, love versus hate kind of thing yeah i mean it could be a uh you could also maybe chalk that up to the whole Stamets and Culver thing, too. <laughs> Love. I'm just saying. True. Yeah. Is that a segue? Um, it's a good segue. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. Um, yeah, I, I'm beginning to think that we're going to see some kind of resolution with that as well. I mean, it was more or less hinted at a couple weeks ago with Hugh and Stamets down on the planet as they were trying to lure the Red Angel in. You know, Hugh was going to try, wanted to try to talk to Paul, and Paul says, now's not the time. Mm. And it's, uh, now it's Jet Reno who feels, who can see that, you know, Stamets is definitely hurting. And she's going about it in her very, you know, Jet Reno, Tignataro, comedian type of way. Yeah, it's a very right. engineering mindset. Like, yes. you are making him do his job poorly, so you need to stop that by getting back together with him. It's weird, though, because that scene between the two of them in sickbay, I saw that, I think, week before last, because Tignataro was on Colbert. Oh. And she brought that clip, and I was like, and I, I think, but I think she appeared on the show the day an episode, like, either the day before an episode of Discovery was airing, but it wasn't this episode, I think it was last week. So I thought this was a clip from, like, ten, that, that week's episode, but it wasn't, it was from this one. Oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, what's going on here? Why is she being such a... Because they don't they don't go very far. Like, I think it, the scene the clip ends with him 
going, she's like, what the hell was that? And he goes, medical, uh, what does he say? Medical, uh, medical uh, treatment. Medical yeah, treatment. Walked in. Medical, yeah. Any medical treatment? That was yeah. very funny. Medical entrance. assistance or something like that. And so, um, that's where it ends. And I'm just like, I'm like, why is she being such a jerk to him? <laughs> What's going on there? Yeah. That's interesting. They would show a whole scene. Yeah. That early. Right. But then you get, it's nice to kind of see the two of them bond because they both have relationships that ended somewhat tragically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious to see what will happen with that. Um, but I think it's weird to me. I feel like Hugh has made such a quick transition back. Like, it feels like he was taking a few episodes to kind of find himself again. And then suddenly it was like the next episode he was totally fine. He was back to just being a doctor and he was just, it was as if yeah. nothing happened. Yeah, when he was in uniform, yeah. he said like something like, well, we're in a tough situation, so I figured I would help. Maybe yeah. it's just, you know, for some people, getting says, back into well, the routine of work and kind of... Right. Set their minds right, and he says, "I." He says, "Well, I've just been, you know, cleared for duty." So, yeah. So it just seemed like. I mean, I don't know how much more you can build toward that, but it was just like one week he was a little sort yeah. of, almost like falling to pieces, and then, and then the next week it seemed like he had it together. So yeah, like, we never got a scene of him making that decision, right? Which I'm okay with that. I could be fine with less scenes of Hugh and Stamets' relationship. And just this this story thread hasn't done much for me well i mean i like the story but i just think it's it, but it's not one that is very important to me with all that's going on it's it's to me it's not the most important thread to be following no yeah no nothing against them obviously no no I'm, yeah um that leads us to the other relationship mm-hmm. which is michael and spock mm-hmm I think that it makes a good development here. They're yeah. working together as brother and Going, sister. Well, so getting into that, though, because we were talking about it before I began recording. So, you know, first it was the two of them go off on that shuttle because they need to find that Section 31 shit that never checked in. But you were talking about Saru. And oh, yeah. giving them sort of like, <laughs> yes, go. Right. So, so Because Pike, Pike goes down to the goes down to right, Warath to meet with the Klingons. Saru the in charge. Sisters. And yeah. then... But before that, Michael yeah. made her case for taking the fight to um, Section 31. Mm-hmm. And Pike said, well, no, we're not doing that because we can't let the sphere get that close to them or they might get it, which made sense. Yeah. But I just have, I just doesn't seem to me that if Michael had gone to Pike and said, hey, I'm going to take a shuttle and I'm going to go by myself and go try to take out Section 31, mm-hmm. I can't see that Pike would Well, she just wanted that. to see why the ship didn't check in. I still can't see because that because Tyler tipped her off and told her that. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see Pike allowing that. And and Saru, she even was surprised that Saru letter. Yeah. And he said, "Since I've lost my threat ganglia, you will see I'm a very different captain." Well, because we were talking about when Saru lost his threat ganglia, we were wondering like, is he going to become more reckless? Is he going to? And he did for a while. He he blew up at Pike on the bridge. Like just not get control over everything. Yeah. And I thought that was going to be an interesting storyline. We haven't seen much of it. Maybe now he's just settling into, he's just more willing to take risks, but he's not reckless. But he doesn't, the thing is, she doesn't go alone. Spock eventually, Spock does. I like that Saru ordered Spock to go with her so that she wouldn't refuse because he knew she would refuse. Mm -hmm. That was a nice touch. Right. And And yeah, they go out there to check in on the Section 31 vessel and they find out that control, well, hold on, let me back up a little bit. They do find it. You see all those bodies in space, and there's only one survivor of the ship. He's in an EV suit floating in space. They take him aboard. Then they go aboard the Section 31 ship to try to regain 
control of it or figure out what happened. And then you find out that the guy in that suit is actually inhibited by control. And he reveals it to them, or to Burnham, on the uh, ship. Mm-hmm. But I thought to myself, like, you had, you had an opportunity to do that on the shuttle. You could have done it then and sort of kept them, catch them off guard in a much more sort of smaller, confined space. Yeah. Yeah, right? But, you know, they had to go the TV route and make it dramatic. Right. Well, yeah. okay, yeah. So some, two things about that. First off, I could not tell what the hell they were trying to do on the ship. They wanted to see where it was where it was going. Where no, it, but I mean, when they had the blue squares and the red squares, and like we got to get it on the red square, and then we got to reboot it, and then the control will be over because control this had and that. because that it was the red squares were all the systems that were compromised by control. The blue square was not, and they were basically trying to control is like a virus, and they were trying to like get it in. They were trying to like basically mess with it and get it into an area and block it off so it couldn't take control of a certain crucial part of the ship that they needed to use. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but it was weird. It was giving me anxiety because when I, you know, just a sort of a side comment, I played uh, the I played the Spider-Man video game on PS4, and there's like there are moments in that game where you actually have to like connect circuits and realign things, and it's very for me it was really like frustrating to do, and like visually it just reminded me of like it was just connecting all the things together. I'm just like, oh god, this is reminding me of those horrible <laughs> side missions on Spider-Man, which I hated doing. You want to try that? But yeah. Um, yeah, so, like you said, they have to go the dramatic way. No, I'm yeah. not someone who is... Criti- that's fine. I'm not someone that's criticized Star Trek, as many people have, and some in our haters' corners, for saying, like, oh, all people want is a shoot 'em up blah, blah, blah. Right. And that's... Trek's not supposed to be that. But I have to say, this gunfight, which is what it was, was the most boring part of the show. I just... It was just so boring. I think... Hi, it was just it was just a gunfight. They were, you know, behind the thing, and then they were coming out, and boom, It was boom, a gunfight, but, going. you know, I think... I think it's because it, it, it... Yeah, it was a boring gun... I think it's... Trek succeeds with those when they sort of make sense within the context of the scene that happening in. Yeah. And in that case, it was just sort of like... It could have happened any other way. And it was just... Yeah, I mean, it kind of fell victim to the J.J. Abrams route where it was like, oh, we just need to make something exciting here for a second. So let's it just, just went on for a long time. just went on for a long like, time. It was a good yeah. five minutes, maybe? It seemed like it, yeah. Um, and then at the end, Burnham had two phasers, and she's... Bow, 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 bow. Right. Um, but, and Spock was in the other room with the door shut, and so obviously he couldn't get back in, so... I mean, I guess, like, you could say that maybe he didn't have to do it. Maybe he wanted to get Burnham alone. Because they, they wanted that her. That makes sense. They wanted her. So maybe it was more a case of like trying to get her by herself. Yeah. With Spock sealed off in the other room. And that yeah, that sense. probably makes more sense. Now it that does. I think about it. But um, they're very strong. You probably could have killed Spock previously. If uh, yeah, they probably could. But yeah, I'll go with it. It works. Um, But that's when I was like texting him. It's like this control. That's when I, that, it was actually that moment where I was like, this control thing is getting stupid. Because then I ask you, is it stupid as a concept in the show, or stupid like its actions are stupid? I, f- I feel like its actions are stupid sometimes. And I thought, you know, despite the fact that I just sort of reconciled what I just said, that's that's why I said it was stupid. Because like he could have, I was like he could have just taken her in the shuttle at that point. Yes. Right. But I didn't think ahead of time like, oh well, actually no, it was better because he wanted to get Vernon by herself. Um, but. Yeah, and so, and then, so, but the thing is, like, it's, 
What's not clear to me with control is because all of these sort of like little, they're almost like they're, they're like Borg nanoprobes, really. Definitely. The things that are some, yeah. and they're even gonna inject the thing just like right. It's the Borg. You gotta, you gotta it's like it. how many of those are there? Like, is that because they Spock magnetized the deck and now they're all sealed off? I'm like, okay, is that it? Well, right, but but yeah. con- control is not just those little things. Right, control. That's is what I, well, that's what I thought it was. The whole network. Yeah, I hope. Well, I mean, and just given the way the episode ended, and they when they said that the Section Thirty One fleet is has found them and is coming after them, it's begging the question with me: Is everybody in Section Thirty One, or a lot of those Section Thirty One, are there more Section Thirty One officers compromised? Or are they just following Leyland's orders? Right. Oh, like I is, see. You know what I mean? Like, so is the Leyland... virus infiltrated every ship, or is it Leyland giving orders? That's a good question because yeah. they did. They control did say because they don't have George O. As far as we know, right? But control did say something about there's a chain of command and people follow orders, and all I have to do is. Con- control the right person and then they follow my orders yeah so that's and, probably, well okay well then that's that's exactly what it is then yeah i would say that's probably. exactly what it is um yeah and so but after we after you know after spock and burnham get back to discovery that's when we find out that the section 31 fleet is coming after them they've located the position they're coming after them and you know we were talking a little bit, it, and it does come up as a maybe like as a minor plot hole, but it's like, let's just when they when they had that sort of quick exchange of like, let's just jump and get out of here, and they're like, no, we can't, right? And I'm like, but why? Yeah, so they got back with the time crystal, and I guess we should also say that as much as you haven't liked the Klingon arc, I mm. thought we it was a great kind of payoff moment when um, it was when Pike came back with word from their child who was now a man who mm-hmm. was watching the time crystals and guarding them and right he said that um you know he was supposed he got where he's supposed to be and i was he was supposed to lead me and mm-hmm. he gave this back and what you gave him helped him on his way it was always oh, beautiful right um so that was nice but yeah so when they get back they have the time crystal and now they have to figure out what the hell do we do with the time crystal now right and they say well let's jump out of here as the ships around them and michael says no they'll just follow us so my thought well, I mean, was, why not just jump, keep jumping to give time to figure out what the hell to do with the time? Yeah, it'll, I mean, if they let's say they jump to where New Eden was, it'll take them a while to figure it out. It take them a while, but even then, if they find them, it's going to take them a while to get there because they don't have a spore drive. Right, and it keeps them away from the Federation. Yes, they could jump. They could keep jumping. Right, like forever. Sec, Section thirty-one wants the data from the sphere to evolve they don't want that's the thing they don't want starfleet they don't want the federation they're not going after that no. they're going after discovery right so it's like Dis- and with that technology discovery could just yeah jump like fifty thousand light years away yes and then figure out what to do with time crystal then when they finally show up just jump again and then they exactly. get more time to work with the time crystal right yeah i they think could, people could stop l- listening to michael right now mm-hmm. pike's listening to him no actually that's not true he did. She wanted to go after. And I would like them to go into a little bit, to a little bit more sort of context on that moment, on on that, on that reasoning, because yeah, that to me is just the it, yeah. It it was a little bit of a plot hole. But at the same time, like you you know, again, it's TV. You need to sort of have that uh, 
flair for dramatics, and so you That's have to... True. Yeah, you can't just have them jump and then work, do science for an episode and then jump again and do more science. Um, right. But the interesting thing is that then they come up with a plan that was a very good one to just destroy Discovery. Yeah. And to do so, they have to enlist the Enterprise mm-hmm. to evacuate. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm beginning to think that my theory is beginning to come true. I think that they're just going to fling Discovery into the future. But how? They're going to do something with that time crystal. But they don't know how to use it yet. They're going to figure it out. Okay. Who's going to figure it out, do you think? Predictions. Stamets. Stamets Spock. Stamets. Jet Reno. Stamets and Tilly will figure it out. Tilly wasn't in this episode, by the way. Did you notice uh, that? Oh, yeah. yeah. She was, Actually, she was noticeably absent. Interesting. I didn't know. Um, maybe, yeah, I mean, it didn't, it didn't, there was no place for her. We didn't need any comic relief or, like, a goofy banter. No. I mean, I could imagine maybe she had a scene and it was, like, maybe cut or something like that. But I don't think they were, like, to her, don't come into work today. Yeah, it was a little intense to <laughs> yeah. have her being awkward. Right. Not that that's all she can do, but it seems like that's all they do with her lately. Um, but... I think that's how I'm envisioning this season coming to an end. Like, I, I honestly feel like I don't think Control is going to allow them to destroy the ship. I feel like you're going to have that dramatic moment of them all, like you see in the trailer for next week, them all evacuating Discovery and going on to the Enterprise. And I feel like at the, and I'm sure it'll be like a dramatic, like, you know, the ship will be counting down. And I feel like at the last moment that you're going to find out that once they're off or something like that. This is just what I'm just seeing. Everybody's off the ship at this point, and at the last second, they're going to find out that the ship, uh, the sphere data will not allow them to... Because just like you couldn't delete it, and somehow they're not going to be allowed to set the self-destruct to go off. Can't yeah. they just take the shields down and let Enterprise blow it up? That's what I would think, too. Mm. That would be even more dramatic, too. Fire torpedoes, you know. Yeah. On Enterprise. Just like they did, just like they did in the third episode with the Glen. They had to scuttle the Glen with the spore drive. So it's like, you know, get off Discovery and just let the Enterprise destroy it. Yeah. Yeah. But we know it doesn't get destroyed, so that's that's the cool that's the cool thing. I really think that something is going to happen, just like we saw in Calypso. I really think that something is going to happen, and they're going to wind up flinging that ship. Yeah. Into the future. And I think one thing to say here for our listeners. Mm. Um, is that these short treks exist? Because I was talking to somebody who's a recently, hey Bill, if you're listening, um, who you know he's a big fan of the show, follows it very closely, but just somehow missed the short treks and then just didn't see them and kind of forgot about them. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're there. They're so hard to find too, right? Don't you have to go under like clips and trailers, something like that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's or I think they may be their own series in CBS. Yeah, they're there. They're worth hunting for. But the problem is, it's like, you forget about them because they, I feel like they weren't advertised as such in the beginning. Like, you weren't really, it wasn't really clear, like, okay, does this, how do these fit into the storyline? Do they fit into the storyline? Because you had the, you had the one with Tilly, then you had the Calypso, then you had the one with Mud, and then you had the one with Saru. And like, even though Saru's didn't really tie into the season, it was just more of an introduction of his home world because that's where they went. It gave some good background. Yeah, it gave some good, but in all fairness, you didn't. You didn't necessarily have to see it. Yes, they all felt like fun little ancillary one-offs, especially just Calypso. to kind of wet, just to kind of wet your appetite until especially the show Calypso. Came Calypso felt like the most almost like oh, they're just like playing with ideas here, you know? Right? Like yeah, oh, yeah. wouldn't it be yeah. cool? Yeah. If, exactly right. Yeah, 
Um, but apparently there was a grander plan. But again, as I was saying, as you were talking, it's like it's it's to me they came out because they came out once a month um, until the show returned, and it was like to me they just they were just made to sort of like oh they're just there to like wet our appetites until the show comes back in January. Yes. So for anyone that doesn't know Calypso. We meet the Discovery. How many years in the future? Uh, a thousand years in the future. A thousand years in the future. It is abandoned. There are controlled no... by a very advanced AI. Yes. There are no dead bodies on it either, though. There's no dead people. Oh. It's just totally empty, and a scav- scavenger comes along, right? To like, yes. Thinking he's going to get some parts from it. Yep. And uh, winds up falling in love with the AI. Yep. And they live happily ever after in an Audrey Hepburn film. Right. Okay. So, I mean, despite the fact that Discovery is could be thrown into the future it still doesn't explain how an ai evolved on that ship because discovery i don't think really has an ai anyway i got a theory has the computer voice i got a theory okay you ready yeah all right we got the sphere we know that yep we know that there's that's like the raw material for a super ai Hmm. i bet you right okay picture it time crystal is charging up yep just about to leap as it were into the future mm-hmm. until he has an idea she's punching away furiously on the keypad she pulls up all of you're getting all this Arium's memories yep she puts them mixes them with the spear and boom AI I don't the know. AI's name was Zora Arium's middle name I don't know <laughs> Well, I mean, the AI could just get so smart it chose a name for itself. Right. And maybe having the human memories specific mm. person could help it to take a personality. Yeah. Maybe. Because I feel like something's oh, no. going to happen with Aaron's memories. I mean, we'll find out in the, in the next two episodes. Like, But I, I'm still banking on that ship winding up in the future. Me too. But so, uh, I'm just... Um, you know, we got to... There's a getting from here to there of... Powering and using the time crystal, which right. is interesting. Right. And we already know, we, we also expect the um, control to be sent into the past, right? Right. Well, if we, I don't. Well, <laughs> it's, you people it's, you, who, it's, you, it's you people who want it to be the board. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean you don't think it's going to happen. No, it's exactly why I don't. Th- no, it, yes, it does. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. But are you clouded by the, how much you hate the idea? I, I, I don't. So, I, I... Yes, I do hate the idea. I don't know if I'm clouded. Okay. So, Wait. I have an email on all of this. This Borg theory. And I feel extremely vindicated because this person agrees with me. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But um, he has emailed us before. Seth Olson. Um, so, he says... For starters, I 100% agree with you, me, that he hates the Borg idea. Um, he hates it more than the V'ger slash Borg theory, which I which I also hate. I love the V'ger idea. Nope. Hate that. Um, <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but I love it. And he asks about you. He says, first, Ethan's question. How did the Borg get to the Delta Quadrant? They didn't. Some species evolved in deep in the Delta Quadrant. Okay. Did I ask that? Yeah, you you were asking like how did oh, they get like, there? Where did they come from? Where did yeah. they come from? Right, and all they could have started from the, They could have started there. Right, right, right. And uh, I'll with the sport drive. Hold on, I'll just defend myself by saying no, you're defending, but right. Yeah. So all I was saying is the fact that we don't know how they started right. means that it's open to be this way. Right. 
I get you. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, he says they didn't. Some species evolved deep in the Delta Quadrant and went a little too far with their with their version of the internet sometime prior to 900 years ago, at least. Okay. Um, he said, I had the same control you did when I saw Leyland, when I saw control infect Leyland. I'm not calling it assimilation, but you rationalized it away. Thusly, control has part of the sphere database. 25% of it came from Arium and Project Daedalus. I find it perfectly plausible that the sphere, in its millennium of travels, found either some nascent form of the Borg collective, too primitive to assimilate the sphere, but it advanced enough to be using nanoprobes to assimilate nearby races, or whatever species the Borg originally assimilated that tech from. So, that's, I, I like that. That sphere has data from hundreds of thousands of years. It may have it data on the Borg. Okay, so then Control got that part, and they started using that information about the Borg to... Possibly. To, yeah, control these people. It's Yeah. And that's fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. That's yeah. fine. And... You know, I, I don't think that I, I, I don't believe I've ever said that I love the idea. I just right. said I think it's what's going to happen. And then he says, plus the more I think about it, the more it falls apart. Wouldn't this, if, if the case, wouldn't this make humans and falcons species one, two, three, or four, rather than species, say, five, six, eight, one, or five, six, one, eight, and species three, two, nine, three, two, five, nine, respectively? Because Borg designates species by numbers. Mm-hmm. And if a human was the first thing they assimilated, mm-hmm. then theoretically they would be species like zero 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 one or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I guess my only counterpoint to that would be that Discovery has um, forgotten more significant um, canonical things than that. If this is the Borg's origin, then by next gen they clearly would have deducted that after assimilating some Federation starships, wouldn't it make more sense to go back during first con- during Star Trek First Contact to this time rather than Zephram Cochran's? Yes. So wouldn't it make more sense to go back to Discovery's time rather than First Contact's time, which was like 100 years, 200 years before that? Mm. Um, on the same, on that same vein, wouldn't assimilating humanity before the birth of Starfleet and therefore Section Thirty One undermine their own existence? So, if the Borg succeeded mm. in, but that's you know, and and, but that's the inherent problem with doing a time travel story. It's like going back to prevent something. It's always like, well, why did you like in in, in the Borg's case? It's like, why did you choose that time? Right. Why or or you, even with my... my uncle. Why didn't you go early in that? Or, like, does it matter what time you yeah. choose, really? Even with Dr. Burnham. Yeah. Like, well, why didn't you go back to... Before the Klingons killed or, you know, right. attacked you? Right. Yeah. And, I All mean, that. that that's the inherent problem in telling a time travel story and yeah. going back to but, prevent something. It's like... Yeah. I like... Those were all very good points. Yeah. Um, I'll just say that to have all these similarities... Mm-hmm. It would be strange if they didn't somehow. I don't know. I just seem like it just seems. It's not that I want them to do it. It's just. Can I, it seems like it's. I'll what tell you doing. why. I mean, I'm telling. The reason why I don't want it to be. There's two reasons why I don't want it to be the Borg. I think the Borg have been. The number one reason is I think the Borg have been overdone. Right. 
I mean, I know you said you don't like Voyager at all. You haven't, even, but you haven't even seen all the show. No. The Borg in the last two seasons are used unbelievably. Really? So much. Yeah. It's they they. It's it's said in Trek fan circles that Voyager kind of defanged the Borg. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. That's a bummer. Um. Well, but but. This wouldn't really have any Borg in it, even if they did that. It doesn't have to, though. I know it doesn't. It's just, I'm just saying that even if it is, the if it just winds up being the Borg, just the idea alone, I'm just like, oh. you know. Yeah. Even if, it's not been, a, even if it's not a major plot point, they're just like, they no, send because it back the, in time to that No, area. because that, that goes into my next point, which is, Despite the fact that Discovery is in a position to give us all, in its timeline, give us all these kinds of Easter eggs to the other Trek shows, the other movies, and, you know, fleshing out things that we only know about in passing, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that that's what I want the show to do. There are certain, yes, certain things I want to see. Right. But. I want to see the well done. Like, Pike's been so well done. Correct, but I would defend that by saying even though he's an existing character, we knew nothing about him. Right. So he may, I mean, honestly, he was, I mean, Pike was a new character, you could say. Yeah. I, what I what I'm saying is I want, well I want Discovery to just continue striking down, striking off in its own direction and not be so reliant on uh, connecting itself to the other shows. Like, I want this to be its own thing and not be some sort of like Borg origin story that oh yeah we know who the Borg are they're on next gen and Voyager and I don't disagree with you yeah I just I want something more original yes I don't disagree with you but I still think they might do it I mean fine and I'll hate it yeah (laughs) but yeah I, I just I don't want that I don't want that um and again I defend it by even the use of Spock like Yes, he's an existing character, but we don't know a thing about this time in his life. So he, the character, in, in some ways, like Pike, is a clean slate. Right. Although, you could use that same argument to say, well, you yes, we know the Borg, but we don't know where the Borg come from. I'm not saying that that's an argument I'm making. I'm just saying the rationale mm-hmm. could also be applied. Yeah, it's a two. It can go both ways. You're not what I'm. You're saying what I'm saying is not like it's. Like yeah. That's not what makes it good. Right. Because you can do that with anything. Yeah, because in that case, I'm getting, I'm cherry picking. It's like, well, I don't like the Borg, but I like Pike and Spock, and I want to know more about this, but I just, yeah. Because they could be filling in a huge thing. Where the hell did the Borg come from? Right. I just. No, you know what? I I think I'm a little more convinced that they won't do it now. It's because the the Borg episode on Enterprise, sorry, it's just that the Borg episode on Enterprise brought the entire Borg arc full circle. Yeah. I'm just imagining. And it felt closed to me. I'm imagining that the writers were sitting down and they were looking at Enterprise and they were like, "You know what? You can't do that. One episode you can do all season." I don't know because I loved the way Enterprise did that. I mean, for one, the Borg were scary again. You you were you were basically the audience of a horror movie. It was like it was like the thing you know the killers in the closet. The character does, and you're like, "No, don't open that door." No, don't wake up that corpse. It's bad news. Please don't, you know, don't do yes. that. You're going to... It was hilarious, yeah. And it was great. And the 
for the first time and for one of the first times in Trek, like the audience kind of had the upper hand in that sense. And the dramatic irony was certainly being used aggressively. Right. And I'm glad you brought up the thing because that whole episode was a was sort of an homage to that movie. If you didn't know that. I did, um, I guess. But even when the episode ends, they, you know, Archer and Paul. I think we talked about this last week, but Archer and Paul determined that they sent a message to the Borg and living in that century. And T'Pol says it's not going to reach them for another 200 years. And so it's like, which lines up with the 24th century. So you could extrapolate that when Q flung them in front of the Enterprise, that Borg cube they encountered, they flung the Enterprise in front of the Borg cube, that cube was heading toward was heading toward Earth as a result of the distress call that was yeah. sent to it. Even though it wasn't explicitly stated, because obviously the episode wasn't written yet. But yeah. And that but it to all worked. me, it, it all worked. worked, and that to me brought the entire Borg story full circle. Yes. And so anything in between that time, like if, if this ends up being the Borg, it's like I, I feel like it just kind of it would be like a take it or leave it situation. It was like okay, but like in other words, that if that's what it is, yeah. fitting that into the greater arc of all of it. Like, it doesn't matter if it's there or not. No, it doesn't. Add it doesn't anything. add anything. No, and doesn't you don't lose anything if you take it away. I mean, you do get this little thing of like, oh, they created their own enemy, but right. that's that's it. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. I, I will say though, when Burnham was in the phaser fight with him, mm. I was very scared that he was going to somehow adapt to her phaser. Oh yeah, frequency, and I'm like, please don't. He started to, but I saw like, the hole, and then they started like grabbing across. But yeah. I was, I was looking at, I was expecting it to be to like react the same way it does. I'm just like, please don't. And then yeah. luckily, it, at least not in the traditional sense. But a little saw to come out of his wrist. God. I just, I don't, want it. I don't want it. <sighs> I don't, I don't want it. I really don't want it. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. It's I I know, but it would be there's just so many clues. If if it's not, then they did it on purpose by having Arium look the way she looks, by having Arium get taken over, by having the nanotech that they're trying to quote unquote assimilate people with, by quoting resistance is futile, but just using a you know synonym dictionary to change the words. Hmm. Still don't want it. <laughs> they're having fun. They're having fun. Doing it and making it seem fun. like it. So, um, yeah. so next week, um, I did, I wanted to take time out to... Because we don't normally analyze trailers for next week. No, we don't. But, but this we is something to. we've been talking about for a long yes. time. The, the Big E makes her return next week. Mm-hmm. And we got a quick glance in the trailer of the Enterprise's bridge. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of get your uh, take on that. What did you think before I say mine? Well, it was funny because you told me, hey, we see the Enterprise Bridge. And I thought was very excited. And I watched the trailer and it was sort of a blink, if, blink and you miss it. Right. And I missed it the first time. Right. And then even the second time I thought, like, oh, okay, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, then you were like, yeah, you were like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I said, yeah, that's... So those of us who don't know, every time he's middle of the road, he's just like, yeah, I thought it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> it wasn't good, it wasn't bad. 
I thought, like, I could see what they were doing. Yeah. It had the... I don't know. Okay. I didn't well, like it. What You didn't like it? I don't think I liked it. It had railings, which I'm happy about. I well, I, I said to you, I'm like, you got your red railings. I did. But they were like, you couldn't even see them. They were lost in the cavernous bridge and all the lights and all the... It's definitely a lot bigger than, than before, but... Um, but no, I mean, it, it. the bridge looks like what we kind of figured it would look like if they were to show it. it, it? That it was... No, it has the Discovery look to it. Look at the size difference. He's like, showing me a picture of the old bridge. Like, Kirk, if Kirk leans forward, he can touch Sulu on the head. Takei wouldn't like that. That's true. Bill, remove your hand from my head. <laughs> <laughs> um... But no, I mean they 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 um the ship the the bridge looks like I thought it would. Explain. Um, no, I, I I kept saying I mean we were saying this as far back as at the beginning of this of, of even end of last season, where because we were discussing the whole um, redesign of the Enterprise, yep. and we were saying that yeah, if they do show it, if they do show the interior of it. I said, chances are it's probably just going to look like. I said it's going to, it's going to mimic Discovery's visual style, right? But what I've been saying online over the last couple of days is that yes, it's the 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 bridge has been updated, but it's not updated to the point where that it's unrecognizable. Like I look at that and I'm like, yes, that's the Enterprise bridge. I can tell that's the Enterprise bridge. Actually, yeah. So I'm looking at it again. It's got the same chairs, dude. It's not as big as I it seemed. I think it's a heavy redress of Discovery's Bridge. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, it's I would have liked a four by three television screen. <laughs> right. At least it not have the it's so wide screen. Would have been nice. Yeah. But see, look as I know, so like the black in the background is like a very flat black. Right. Which is the only time you've seen a flat color on any of these things. I do wonder if that's Saru standing right there. Guy in the blue uniform to the right of the view screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally, right? Because um, that's number one. So Zoom yeah. in. Yeah. Um, What's yeah. on the screen? Is that Discovery? That's the Enterprise. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, number one. But, oh, wait, um, look. What's that? That must be a Section 31 ship out the window there. Could be another Starship. I don't know. Another Federation ship. This guy, um, this guy jogging, doing laps. Because they have a nice the track bridge. around the outside, so that's yeah. good. I mean, the ship, the bridge is definitely big enough for that. Um, yeah. No, you know what? But, like, again, I'm back you, on board. I'm you, back look, on board. you look at that. And can't you look at that and say, yes, that's the bridge of the USS Enterprise. Yes, it has the um, the red railings. It has the three steps getting down to, like, the well of the bridge. Yeah. It's got the two chairs. Yeah, yeah. The same chairs, by the way. Really? Those are the same chairs from the original series, yeah. Um, yeah, it is a very... Um, there's a lot of lights happening on that bridge, but your biggest thing was wanting red railings. And you got, I did want, I got and the you, red railings. And you have lights in the railings, from yeah. what I can tell. Yep. For when there's a red alert, they can freak out. Although, I will say, you've kind of ruined red alert for me. Right? <laughs> so if anyone explain, has it, explain, it, explain it again. So, what my concern with red alert is that when there's something, an emergency... Yeah. 
they kill all the lights and they flash red, which is a, a, a color that psychologically, you know, heightens people's senses and makes them more stressed. So, <laughs> it, and plus it lets everyone outside the ship know because they just look in the window and they see the bridge flashing red. <laughs> it's very dramatic, but it's not good for battle purposes. Right. It's more. It's good for TV purposes. Yes. Yes. And the, <laughs> oh, that would drive me crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the, all right. So, what I would like to see is that it could buff the shine out of the floors for the new it. And what are those lights for other than to blind people? There's these very bright white lights that are just... I don't know, man. Facing no inward. Idea. What I'm curious about, though, is you can see the edge of the captain's chair yes. right there. So... And maybe the captain's chair is in the opening credits of the show, so I have no doubt that the captain's chair of that is going to look exactly as it does. That's true. And yeah. if those chairs look exactly like they do, how could the captain's chair not? Of course. It's much more iconic. Um, yeah, but right, there's a lot of chatter going online about this thing. And, like, you know, again, I think it's a heavy redress of um, the Discovery Bridge. Yeah. Some think it's a new set. It may be a new set. I don't know. But they were like, well, they built a bridge set. Might as well, you know. Have a series. Have a series. <laughs> no, how that works. I, I will say though, given that, and also given how much everybody loves Pike even more after this episode, yeah, there's a lot more calls for of, from fans online to make a Pike series, and especially also given the fact that if Discovery is flung into the future, mm-hmm. you now don't have the risk of these two ship shows taking place at the same time. Yeah. Well, although in some ways, though, I feel like it just kind of devalues Discovery a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, it leaves us with the interesting question of what is going to, what is Discovery going to be without Discovery? Right. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, I also look at it as like it's a show of self-discovery. Right. As a concept, not just a setting. Yeah, but we're not going to follow Michael to yoga class while she gets in touch with herself. No. But you're seeing character growth. So, um, but where are all these characters going to grow next year? On the Enterprise, you think? Well, he's got a crew. The thing I joked about was um, during Pike's time, he says that there there are two hundred and three crew members aboard the Enterprise, and by the time you get to Kirk's time, you've got about four hundred. And I think Discovery has maybe 130, 100, something like that. So maybe he sets the precedent. So I think what happens is the Discovery crew gets integrated into the Enterprise crew. And And then it becomes tradition to have that many crew members. And then next season, what happens is they change the name. Like, well, we can't call it Star Trek Enterprise because that's already taken. It's just called Star Trek. (laughs) Oh, then it becomes Star Trek Discovery in quotes. Yes. Like you mean inner Discovery. Yes. Discovery of self. I mean... There's nothing that says they couldn't, I mean, I can't imagine they would ever do this, but there's nothing at this point in the canon that tells them they could not continue the show with the Discovery crew on board the Enterprise. That's true. Well, they could just make a new ship called Discovery. I mean, they do Discovery that Discovery A. They do that enough. Uh, yeah, the Discovery the Enterprise. A, as I said, yeah. Um, but that'd be... I, Again, it's a very kind of, I think, radical idea for a Trek show. I was talking about this last week, I think. To not have your main setting there anymore. I mean, 
Right. But yeah, I mean, as they... you mentioned, Voyager, the crew lost Voyager for two episodes. DS9, they lost the station for like six episodes. Yeah. But the problem, the inherent problem with those shows is that, no, the show was called Star Trek Deep Space Nine. You can't not have Deep Space Nine in there. You can't, Same with Voyager. You know, Discovery, I think, in my mind, goes beyond just the name of the ship and where it's set. It's right. more Discovery oh, as a concept. Yeah, but even Enterprise, I mean, Enterprise, like exploring space is a, is a, is a challenging enterprise to undertake. It is, but, but you you're know? talking about Star Trek and you're talking about the Enterprise, so it's like... No, but it is a word that was not chosen because it sounded cool. It was probably chosen also because of the meaning. Right. Um, but in the films, we lost the Enterprise. We did, but not for very long. That's true. We lost it at the end of Search for Spock, and then we got it back again at the end of the Voyage Home. So we really went like, but there's not without it. Well, no, but there's the thing is there's not there's no movie that doesn't have an Enterprise. They're in all of them, even if they're only there for a few seconds. Right. We still got a whole movie without an Enterprise. Well, Star Trek Beyond, the Enterprise got destroyed toward the beginning, and then we spent the rest of the time on the planet without it. Oh yeah, don't forget that. And then we got the Enterprise A at the end of that. That was really good. Yeah. Um. I will say though the and I've also been saying this online that Enterprise bridge that we see next week in Discovery mm-hmm. that's what the bridge of the Enterprise should have, that's what they should have done in the Kelvin timeline films that's what it should have looked like because that that's a proper update without taking it too far yeah without going on Apple Store yeah yeah that's um I would have been totally fine with that yeah but yeah you're right That'd be twenty five percent different. Yeah. Oh my god. Can can we take a moment and get into that? So because um, you you watched sure a certain uh, YouTube I don't want to say the name but a certain YouTube channel that had that basically spouts practically conspiracy theories about yeah. how much Trek is in danger and you watched one yeah so I watched one it was saying Picard uh, right yeah why Picard series is in trouble oh boy and what was the reason. So the reason was that, um, which, all right, this is so, okay. so they, the, the <laughs> it just sounds silly, I'm even saying it, I feel like an idiot. Um, they're in trouble because the licensees, the toy companies, were brought in to check it out and make some toys, and they said, oh no, there aren't any good toys for us to make here. You gotta rewrite the whole thing. Um, <laughs> because, I know everybody was just looking for the toy market on Picard, it was gonna be so great. <laughs> Is there, is there, I mean, there's no Discovery toys, right? No, there's no action figures. Yeah. As I've said to you, there's like, there's no... merchandise. As I've said to you, the what they do with Trek merchandise now that I've seen is that they, they're not gearing it toward kids anymore. They do, like, these high-end, yeah, yeah. high-quality... And we nerds... For collectors. Yeah, and we nerds don't need it to look like it always looked. So then right. they also said that... Um, there were not enough identifiable Star Trek um, designs. And that then this person went on to explain why that was. Was because you had to change it 25%. You had to change the design 25% away from the original. What does that even in mean? In order to be uh, legally acceptable. And then he showed uh, Pike's uniform and said, this is... As close as you can get to that 25% mark without going too far. Wait, Pike's gold uniform. Yeah. 
And so obviously there's no designs are not a quantitative thing that you can measure the percentage. But the thing is, CBS owns the franchise. Paramount just owns film rights. Paramount is still licensing the name from CBS to make so movies out of. So makes the toys? Or like the It's products, all under the... CBS's umbrella. They so, own the rights to the television series, they own the merchandising rights, all of that stuff. CBS consumer products so, are the ones who have to so work with the... Why would... Okay. Why would CBS care about its current show looking too much like its prior show? They own the whole thing. So maybe I didn't understand his, you know, vast... Um, mm-hmm. Thing, but apparently he said it's, it's in big trouble because there's not enough toys and licensees are angry that it doesn't look enough like what we recognize as Star Trek I mean w- wasn't this the case like well not really the case but like wasn't because it goes into that Netflix documentary the toys that made us mm. wasn't there a big deal about this with like Star Wars like they wanted to make sure that they were like they could make toys out of it as well oh yes that's true. But they weren't make they weren't calling the shots or anything like that. They were just like no, they weren't calling the shots. But yeah. but well, it was this. It was that in that George Lucas owned the merchandising, which usually the director doesn't. So it was in his interest to make cool designs that would make good toys. Is the theory right? Now was he making designs just so there would be toys? Was he changing the story just for toys? That's you know nobody knows that for sure. Um. So before we wrap up, there's one more thing I want to up that we do our we like to do our haters corner from time to time and i saw another one today about um discovery not being canon okay and the people wondering what timeline did the show take place in uh-huh. and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bitch about that in particular where i'm gonna i don't understand this sort of timeline obsession that Trek fans have now. And it's all the Abrams films' fault. Like, because you have, you know, you have the Prime timeline, now you have the Kelvin timeline. And, like, I'm realizing that they just do it as a way to kind of try to reconcile what they perceive as, what Trek fans perceive as errors in canon or continuity. Okay. Or violations of it. Okay. Yeah. So, and so, but, like, how can the, but the Kelvin timeline is called the Kelvin timeline because what happens on the Kelvin is what starts it, and what happened right. on the Kelvin happened after. But Discovery, what I'm saying right? is right. But or no, maybe it didn't. Discovery it takes didn't place because Kirk was only a kid. Well, no, the two timelines at that point have already split. So the Kelvin timeline is running parallel with the Prime timeline. Which is where Discovery is, and all the other shows, and all the other movies. So when does it split? It splits, um... I forget the year. 2233. Is that before or after Discovery? That's about 24 or 5 years beforehand. Okay, but it doesn't matter, because this is not that. Right. And it's... it's They do it as... Because, again, as perceived... They perceive all of these sort of continuity violations with Discovery. And I realized in doing, and just sort of like checking things out, (sighs) Discovery has not made any canon violations. Not one. Okay. 
what a what a Star Trek fan views as a canon violation is if something is not mentioned. Oh right, Xbox didn't have a uh, like. In other words, a canon violation. I'll tell you what a canon violation is. A canon violation is if you have another series that takes place, say after the original series, and they say that. And the story in the, the series explicitly states that James T. Kirk was not the captain of the Enterprise. Or they say Spock was a Romulan and he lived on Romulus. Those are canon violations because those have already been... We already know that it's the case. Yeah. So things like the Spore Drive, things like Michael Burnham herself, the USS Discovery, all these events, mm-hmm. because they were never mentioned before... That's insane. That a Trek fan thinks that's a canon violation. People thought that... Enterprise was a canon violation. Why? Because they didn't mention it. Because it was never mentioned before. That's insane. Right. I think there was this whole thing about how, like, they would say, like, you know, the Enterprise D, Picard's Enterprise, was the fifth starship to bear the name. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, well, no, would weren't... that be Archer's Enterprise? So it would be the sixth, right? Well, no. Now we're only we're only count that we're only saying that as those are post Federation starships. The NX01 existed before the Federation existed. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, I take issue with fans seeing something as a canon violation simply because it was never mentioned before. I hate the fact that... I hate that everything has to be so... They want everything to be so black and white. Well... Like, there's no room for ambiguity or anything like that. There's yeah. no room for and anything And let's else. get down to the psychology behind this. People put a lot of time and effort into knowing all this stuff. Right. And then when something challenges what they think they know, they want to push it away. I, I just think that the more... You, and, this is, and this is actually inherently my problem with the Borg theory. The more you connect these things, the smaller the universe seems to me. It's like I go in to see... Phantom Menace. I didn't know who the fuck Mace Windu was. I didn't know who. I'd never heard of Mace Windu. I'd never heard of Darth Maul. And I wasn't like, oh, that's a Star Wars canon violation. Luke never never mentioned them before. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, they also perceive canon violations. Like, they want everything to be so black and white to the the point where like, that actual characters in the show should should know about events the same way a fan does. When from the characters' perspectives... That's something out of history. Right. And unless you're... Um, you know, you're a history teacher. Yes. So, but like... Everyone doesn't know everything that happened on but you don't know every. But you don't know everything that ever happened. No. You're not, you're not a, you know... No. That's the funny thing about history is that, uh, you know, there's this perception like, oh, you're a history teacher. You must know, like, every single thing that happened ever. No. No. Not at all. <laughs> I might know more than the average person. Oh, I, yeah, I definitely know more than the average person, but you know. Yeah, possibly, yeah. I don't know everything. And there's so much history, obviously. We're just one planet, imagine. Like, I got into a real kind of heated argument with somebody online one day about um, uh, when, on Deep Space Nine, when they went back to, the Charles Tribulation, when they went back to the Enterprise, and this is when the whole idea of the Klingons having smooth foreheads. Yeah, that was fun. When it was... Fun episode. When that was brought up, and they were like, and they were like, how does, why doesn't Julian Bashir know about that? He's a doctor. He has genetic manipulations. Shouldn't he know about that? 
I don't know that the uh, Klingons share their medical um, research with but the Federation. The thing I kept saying was like, no, he shouldn't. No, he shouldn't. What? No, there's no reason why. I said because, first of all, because they were like, well, Enterprise was stupid for doing that anyway. And I'm like, well, I said, first of all, it was Deep Space Nine's fault for suggesting that there was a in-canon explanation for that to begin with, why the Klingons look different. When we all knew what the real reason was, it was just budgetary reasons. Yeah. But I said at the same time, Julian Bashir is a doctor in the 24th century. Okay. A doctor doesn't know. Yeah, and even more Doctors so. Doctors have fields of study. And even more so. And this is 200 years ago. The Klingon are not friendly. Right. So. But at the, but at the same time, they're like, well, maybe Bashir should have done some research. It's like, he was going aboard Space Station K-7 to find somebody to stop a bombing from killing Captain Kirk. There was no reason for him to do research on the Klingon augment virus before they went over there. Right. And I said, by the way, they didn't even know that the Klingons were going to be there. They all acted surprised the moment that ship appeared in front of Space Station K-7. They, they were like, oh my god. So it's Julian going to run back to the fine. Hold on. Let me go back and do some quick research. Like you check their medical uh, research right. the past thousand years. So I think it's I think it's insane. I really think that Trek fans get way too crazy about stuff like this. It just really Yeah, it's not just Trek fans. Oh, it just I remember when the Clone Wars came out and Anakin had a Padawan that he was training. Mm. And they never mentioned that Anakin had a Padawan. What is a Padawan? <laughs> um, the, the your apprentice. Okay. Yeah. I... <laughs> you know, like Qui Gon had Obi Wan as his. Right. Yeah. They okay. follow you around. They learn from you. They apprentice with you. So a- Anakin, you know, Anakin. Right. Darth Vader. Yes. Uh, had a Padawan on the Clone Wars animated series. So when that first happened, it, it just people were like, "No, he didn't have a Padawan because I didn't know that he had a Padawan, so therefore he never had a Padawan." That's, yeah. Yeah. And wound up becoming one of the most beloved Star Wars characters, so it all worked out. And Pike has become one of the most beloved captains of the franchise, I think. Yeah, in one short season. Yeah, that was my little bitch for the episode. I just Yeah, that's a that's It's never gonna stop. It's, this isn't gonna change anything. It's always gonna happen. I just need to like learn to be a little more like, I don't know, better about not losing my temper over it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're going to be haters always. So we have haters corner. So, okay. Um, we can wrap it for the week. Um, we are going to be back next Saturday with the next episode. I don't remember the name of it. Um, I don't think it's been announced. But um, but it's going to be exciting. Oh, God, is it going to be exciting? We're going to... I'm just going to be all of them. I'm just going to be, you know, all over the place because the Enterprise will be there. Yeah. yeah. And we're hopefully going to find out what happens to Discovery. Well, we have two episodes left. This is not the finale. Right. So, yeah. But I would like to see whatever happens with it happens, and then we get the little, an episode of Aftermath slash Fallout. Yeah. That would be ideal. Yeah. It would. So. So. Very, very good. Till then. Uh, at discopodcast at twitter.com. If you feel like emailing us at indiscoverywetrust at gmail.com. And... Yeah, that's that. So we will be back next Saturday. And thanks for the email and 
keep the messages coming. We love to hear from people. And we'll get our Twilight Zone podcast going sometime. Soon. Within mere days, probably. Let's hope. Thank <laughs> you.